Let's hear the word of God from the second book of Kings and chapter 22. Josiah was eight years old when he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. His mother's name was Jadida, daughter of Adiah. She was from Bozkath. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in all the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. In the 18th year of his reign, King Josiah sent the secretary, Shaphan, son of Aziah, the son of Meshulam, to the temple of the Lord. He said, go to Hilkiah, the high priest, and make him get ready the money that has been brought into the temple of the Lord, which the doorkeepers have collected from the people. Make them entrust it to the men appointed to supervise the work on the temple. And have these men pay the workers who repair the temple of the Lord, the carpenters, the builders, the masons. Also, make them purchase timber and dressed stone to repair the temple. But they need not account for the money entrusted to them, because they are acting faithfully. Hilkiah, the high priest, said to Shaphan, the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. He gave it to Shaphan, who read it. Then Shaphan, the secretary, went to the king and reported to him, your officials have paid out the money that was in the temple of the Lord and have entrusted it to the workers and supervisors at the temple. Then Shaphan, the secretary, informed the king, Hilkiah, the priest, has given me a book. And Shaphan read from it in the presence of the king. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes. He gave these orders to Hilkiah, the priest, Ahiakim, son of Shaphan, Akbor, son of Micaiah, Shaphan, the secretary, and Azariah, the king's attendant, go and inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah about what is written in this book that has been found. Great is the Lord's anger that burns against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book. They have not acted in accordance with all that is written there concerning us. Hilkiah the priest Ahiakam and Akbar, Shaphan and Azariah went to speak to the prophetess Huldah, who was the wife of Shalom, son of Tikvah, the son of Harhas, keeper of the wardrobe. She lived in Jerusalem in the second district. She said to them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Tell the man who sent me to you, who sent you to me, this is what the Lord says. I am going to bring disaster on this place and its people, according to everything written in the book the king of Judah has read, because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods and provoked me to anger by all the idols their hands have made. My anger will burn against this place and will not be quenched. Tell the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says concerning the words you have heard. Because your heart was responsive 
and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I have spoken against this place and its people, that they would become accursed and laid waste. And because you tore your robes and wept in my presence, I have heard you, declares the Lord. Therefore, I will gather you to your fathers and you will be buried in peace. Your eyes will not see all the disaster I'm going to bring on this place. So they took her answer back to the king. And the reading is also from 2 Kings, chapter 23, verses 1 to 14 and 21 to 25. Then King Josiah called together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. He went up to the temple of the Lord with men of Judah, the people of Jerusalem, the priests and the prophets, all the people from the least to the greatest. He read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which had been found in the temple of the Lord. The king stood by the pillar and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and keep his commands, regulations and decrees with all his heart and all his soul, thus confirming the words of the covenant written in this book. Then all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. The king ordered Hilkiah the high priest, the priest next in rank and the doorkeepers to remove from the temple of the Lord all the articles made for Baal and Asherah and all the starry hosts. He burned them outside Jerusalem in the fields of the Kidron Valley and took the ashes to Bethel. He did away with the pagan priests appointed by the kings of Judah to burn incense on the high places of the towns of Judah and on those around Jerusalem. Those who burned incense to Baal, to the sun and moon, to the constellations and to all the starry hosts. He took the Asherah pole from the temple of the Lord to the Kidron Valley outside Jerusalem and burned it there. He ground it to powder and scattered the dust over the graves of the common people. He also tore down the quarters of the male shrine prostitutes, which were in the temple of the Lord, and where women did weaving for Asherah. Josiah brought all the priests from the towns of Judah and desecrated the the high places, from Geba to Beersheba, where the priest had burnt incense. He broke down the shrines of the gate at the entrance to the gate of Joshua, the city governor, which is on the left of the city gate. Although the priests of the high places did not serve at the altar of the Lord in Jerusalem, they ate unleavened bread with their fellow priests. He desecrated Topheth, which was in the valley of Ben-Himon, so no one could use it to sacrifice his son or daughter in the fire to Molech. He removed from the entrance to the temple of the Lord the horses that the kings of Judah had dedicated to the sun. They were in the court near the room of an official named Nathan Melech. Josiah then burnt the chariots dedicated to the sun. He pulled down the altars of the kings of Judah. He pulled down the altars the kings of Judah had erected on the roof near the upper rooms of Ahaz, and the altars of Manasseh had built in the courts of the temple of the Lord. He removed them from there, smashed them to pieces, and threw the rubble into the Kidron Valley. The king also desecrated the high places that were east of Jerusalem, on the south of the hill of corruption, 
the ones Solomon, king of Israel, had built for Ashtoreth, the vile goddess of the Sidonians, for Chemosh, the vile god of Moab, and for Molech, the detestable god of the people of Ammon. Josiah smashed the sacred stones and cut down the Asherah poles and covered the sites with human bones. The king gave this order to all the people. Celebrate the Passover to the Lord, your God, as it is written in this book of the covenant. Not since the days of the judges who led Israel, nor throughout the days of the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah had any such Passover been observed. But in the 18th year of King Josiah, this Passover was celebrated to the Lord in Jerusalem. Furthermore, Josiah got rid of the mediums and spiritists, the household gods, the idols, and all the other detestable things seen in Judah and Jerusalem. This he did to fulfill the requirements of the law written in the book that Hilkiah the priest had discovered in the temple of the Lord. Neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did, with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his strength, in accordance with all the law of Moses. This is the word of the Lord. Last week in our evening service we looked at one of the heroes of the northern kingdom of Israel, the prophet Elijah. This morning with Wally we looked at the dissolution of the northern kingdom of Israel as they went into exile. King of the southern kingdom of Judah at that time was Hezekiah. And tonight we focus on his great-grandson, Josiah, one of the great heroes of the southern kingdom of Judah, the last good king they had, actually. In terms of character references, you don't get a much better commendation than the one supplied by the author of two kings about Josiah. His verdict is that neither before nor after Josiah was there a king who turned to the Lord with all his heart as he did, with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his strength. The author of the parallel account of the kings of Judah in the book of Chronicles is even more fulsome in his praise when he describes how Josiah celebrated the Passover. He declared that the Passover had not been observed like that since the days of the prophet Samuel. None of the kings of Israel had celebrated the Passover as Josiah did in the 18th year of his reign. He was just eight years old when he was made king by the people of the land. The ordinary people installed him on the throne. His father had been murdered by his officials And the population rose up and killed those who plotted against the king and put Josiah on the throne in his place. Like his great-grandfather Hezekiah before him, Josiah did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He followed in the footsteps of King David, turning aside neither to the right nor to the left. According to the book of Chronicles, he was just 16 years old when he began to seek the God of his father David. And when he reached the age of 20, he began the process of getting rid of the high places in Judah and Jerusalem where other gods had been worshipped for over 50 years. Six years after that, he started work on repairing the temple of the Lord, using money taken from people who'd begun to worship there again. And it was in the course of renovating the temple that the high priest found the book of the law, or the book of the covenant, 
Whether it, whether it had been simply forgotten in some dusty corner or whether it had been deliberately concealed to keep it safe during the long idolatrous reign of Josiah's grandfather Manasseh, we don't know. But the high priest found it, took it and gave it to Shaphan, the secretary, who read it and decided that the king really needed to hear it as well. So he read it to Josiah. And when Josiah heard what the book of the law had to say, he was completely and utterly devastated because the book brought it home to him just how far the nation had gone off the rails so far as honouring God was concerned. That's one of the reasons why reading the Bible is so important. It helps keep us up to the mark. Without scriptures as a moral compass, it's very easy to lose our way in life. The book of the law probably hadn't been opened for 50 years or so. And when Josiah heard what the law had to say, he knew that even with the far-reaching reforms he'd implemented, they were still in big trouble. They had slipped so far. There's a theory that the book that was unearthed in the temple in the days of Josiah was nothing other than the book of Deuteronomy, or something very like it. And the idea has much to commend it. A telltale clue is found in the verdict of 2 Kings 23-25 that Josiah was the only king who turned to the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his strength. Many of you will find those words familiar because Jesus said that the first and greatest commandment was to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. But Jesus didn't make that up. It's part of the Shema, the words that Jews have recited every morning and every evening down through the centuries. And it's found first in Deuteronomy, chapter 6. You don't find that combination of heart, soul and strength as an expression of total and complete dedication to God anywhere else in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy also contains detailed instructions for the celebration of the Passover. And that was the first thing that Josiah did, having cleansed the land of idols as much as he could. It also explicitly forbids the worship of idols, saying that the Lord hates sacred stones and wooden poles dedicated to the worship of the goddess Asherah. And what does Josiah do? He smashes the sacred stones, cuts down the poles dedicated to the goddess Asherah, and covers the sites with human bones, thereby rendering them unclean. And he goes further. He doesn't just get rid of the altars that his grandfather Manasseh had put in place. He also desecrated the high places that Solomon had built centuries before for Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, for Chemosh, the vile god of Moab, and for Molech, the detestable god of Ammon, all those temples built for his wives. Well, Josiah got rid of them. And in case we may wonder whether this destruction of part of Israel's cultural heritage and the desecration of sites of historical interest was warranted in the light of Isis doing this kind of stuff in the Middle East... Two Kings makes it clear that worship on these sites entailed ritual prostitution and child sacrifice. So there really is no doubt that Israel was better off without them. These places built in the time of Solomon. I find it extraordinary. You look through the list of the kings of Judah, there were six or seven good kings on the throne since Solomon died, a period of 300 years or so. None of them had ever got around to taking these places out that Solomon had built. Gradually over the years, something that should have been unthinkable had gradually just become acceptable. It's only when Josiah heard the book of the law for the very first time that he was brought up short 
and realised just how bad things had become. The Word of God sometimes shines with a light. Sometimes it is sharper than a two-edged sword. It pierces right to the centre of things and exposes what is there. Things that people have just accepted as the norm for years, the Word of God can expose as being wrong and bring people to repentance about them. Another reason why people think that this book was the book of Deuteronomy is that Josiah's response was to go up to the temple of the Lord with the people of Judah and Jerusalem, the priests and the prophets, everyone from the least to the greatest, and there he renewed the covenant between all of them and the Lord. Having heard what the book said, all the people pledged themselves to the covenant to follow the Lord and keep his commands, his regulations and his decrees with all their soul, confirming the words written in the book of the covenant. If you were here a few weeks ago, Ian Fletcher talked about Deuteronomy as a covenant document, a document that expressed the relationship between God and his people and how the book is formulated around a renewal of the covenant between God and the people before they go into the promised land. So Josiah, reading this book, would see it as a document expressing the relationship between God and his people and it invites, actually, a renewal of commitment on the part of the people to God. And Josiah puts that into practice when he goes up to Jerusalem and says, let's get it right with God. And the book of the covenant, which is a title used of this book in two kings, is an apt way of referring to Deuteronomy because that is exactly what it is. It is a covenant document spelling out the terms and conditions of the treaty between the Lord and his people. As a book, it is also extremely and graphically explicit about the disastrous consequences of exiting the covenant. Over 50 verses of curses and imprecations that will befall the nation should they ever do such a drastic thing. That explains why Josiah was quite so appalled when he heard how the Lord's anger was burning against the nation because of their failure to act in accordance with the terms and conditions of the covenant between God and his people. (coughs) Excuse me. And when the prophetess Huldah heard what the book said, she confirmed Josiah's worst fears. The Lord, in his anger, was going to bring disaster on the nation because his burning anger against them would not be quenched. And so despite the extensive reforms that Josiah put in place, the story does not have a happy ending. He was not yet 40 years old, when he was killed in battle with Necho, pharaoh of Egypt. Josiah's servants brought his body home in a chariot and buried him in his own tomb. And the people of the land did for his son Jehoahaz what they'd done for Josiah. They took him and anointed him as king in place of his father. But the succession after Josiah was complicated. Let me show you on the screen. Manasseh is his wicked grandfather, Ammon was his father, who was just like Manasseh before him. Josiah was the good king. Jehoahaz was the son who the people of the land made king in Josiah's place when he was killed. But Jehoahaz was not his father. He reigned for just three months before he was deposed by Pharaoh. And Pharaoh put his brother Jehoiakim on the throne. Jehoiakim reigned for 25 years. And when he died, he was succeeded by his son, Jehoiachin. But he only lasted for three months before he was deported to Babylon. And his uncle, Zedekiah, 
another of Josiah's sons was installed on the throne. Within a decade, Jerusalem had fallen and the nation as a whole had been taken into exile. Kings records the narrative of these tragic events. And the verdict of Kings is that all this happened because the fierce anger of the Lord was still burning against his people for all the detestable practices introduced by Josiah's grandfather, Manasseh, who reigned for over 50 years. The Lord had already determined to reject Jerusalem and his temple and to remove the nation of Judah from his presence because of what Manasseh did. Josiah's reforms were too little, too late. This is an example of the Lord visiting the sins of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation. Die was cast and it couldn't be altered. Could things have turned out differently? Who knows? If any one of Josiah's sons had followed his godly example, the outcome might have been different. But for whatever reason, they reverted to type. Jehoahaz, Jehoiakim, Zedekiah, they did evil in the eyes of the Lord just as their fathers had done. Despite Josiah's best efforts, the moral lot had set in and the nation was beyond repair. The damage had already been done during the 55-year-long reign of Josiah's grandfather Manasseh who filled Jerusalem from end to end with innocent blood, led the people astray so that they ended up doing more evil than the nations the Lord had destroyed before them when he gave them the land and urged them to keep his laws. During the reign of Manasseh, they simply didn't listen to anything God said. And as a nation, they paid the price. Disconcerting. If you look through the Old Testament... There is no record of any prophet declaring the word of the Lord to Judah during the decades that Manasseh was on the throne. Fifty years of apparent silence. They'd all either been murdered or gone to ground or been led astray with the rest of the nation. There is no record of anyone standing against the tide. No one standing up and saying, but this is, this is what we should be doing. This is the word of the Lord. No one acting as salt to preserve the moral goodness of the nation. No one shining a light to show a different way through the darkness. In those 50 years, irreparable damage was done. And not even Josiah could change the course of events. It is a profound and deeply unsettling tragedy. Maybe, just maybe, someone during Manasseh's reign had taken the book of the law and had hidden it somewhere safe in the temple to preserve it from destruction. Maybe there was someone who did just that small thing. If they did, we can be profoundly grateful to them. Because if that book had been burnt with everything else, we would never have known the book of Deuteronomy. It would have been lost. And the reforms of Josiah would have been even more limited than they were. 
So maybe there was at least one person in Manasseh's day who tried to do the right thing simply by preserving the word of the Lord. Or maybe not. Maybe the book was just left in a cupboard, abandoned and forgotten and overlooked for all those years. We just don't know. But you can't understand the outcome of the story of Josiah without taking into account the 57 years of moral decline that preceded his ascension to the throne. 57 years without people hearing or reading the word of the Lord. 57 years with no one acting as salt or light in society. 57 years in which the foundations of the nation were undermined to the point of being beyond repair. When Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world, he makes it clear that it is our role to stop that kind of thing happening in our society today. So we live in a country where fewer and fewer people call on the name of the Lord. Our role is to preserve what is good, to be salt, to be light. It's a vital task that we have to stop the nation slipping irrevocably away from God. That is our calling. If we are going to fulfil it, we need to be people who hear the word of the Lord for ourselves. We need to be people who read the scriptures for ourselves. We need to be people who set our moral compass by what God requires of us. We need to be people who live out our identity as God's covenant people with integrity. Because being a Christian is not just about going to heaven when we die, it's about being a force for good here and now. The story of Josiah spells out the dire consequences for society if we fail in that mission. And unless we are people who read and understand and base our lives on the revelation of God in the scriptures, then we will fail in that calling. So if your Bible is sitting forgotten, unopened, in some cupboard at home, it's time to take it down, dust it off, open it, and start to read the word of the Lord and find out what it means in practice for us to live as members of his covenant people. What it means to be salt and light. What it means to set our moral compass by him. What it means to live for the God who calls us into a covenant relationship with himself. Let's pray. Lord, you declare yourself to be a God who is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Things must have got desperate for you to act in judgment against your people. Lord, we cry out to you for our country. Be patient with us, have mercy upon us. 
show us steadfast love. And may we, Lord, not fail in your calling to be salt and light. May we be people who hear your word, apply it to our lives, put it into practice. Or may we be people who live lives of integrity. May we be people who can be used by you to turn the tide. Thank you for what we know of you. Lead us on in your purpose. And may your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.